Welcome to the Human Performance Outliers podcast with your hosts, Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. At Human Performance Outliers podcast, we dive into a wide range of topics revolving around health, nutrition, and physical fitness. If you enjoy the show and wish to support us, please visit patreon.com forward slash HPO podcast. If you do not use Patreon but still wish to support us, please also consider checking out our PayPal page at paypal.me forward slash HPOpod. The link to both of those can also be found in the show notes. Finally, please consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Now, on to the next topic. Yeah, I recognize you. Yeah, I can't Maybe I did. What is this? A Keto Fest? Was that right? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be back there again. Uh, when it, whenever they decide to have it. I know they're planning for fall. What's that? They're planning on fall this year for Keto Fest. Uh, oh, Keto Fest. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Connecticut. That's Connecticut. I, I, saw, I saw you at KetoCon as well. Yeah, all Keto that Con. My bad. I was we at Keto too. Fest. Right. Yeah, I know I'm going to be there. Um, Zach, we are, we're up and recording. Corey, tell us a little bit about who you guys are real quick. Do a little of your background, and then we can kind of kind of get going from there. Sure. Uh, my name is Corey. I grew up most of my life being overweight, in pain, um, dealing with the typical aggravations that eating a standard American diet would give you. Um, in my early 20s, I did try to lose weight uh, with low fat a couple of times. Each time I tried it, within a couple of weeks, it just, I hated it. I threw the food away because it tastes disgusting. <laughs> Decided I'd just rather eat something that tastes good than rice cakes and dried chicken and fat-free everything. Um, and then uh, probably my mid-20s, I actually got a copy of Atkins' book. I uh, read through that and like, you know, I might as well give it a try. Uh, like I recommend everybody, try it for 30 days and see how you feel. And I found out, you know, it works really well. Um, I would lose weight. I'd feel good. But most of the time, my attitude was I just need to lose weight. Uh, there wasn't a really good reason why I was losing weight. It's just, well, I have to. And I was living on my own, away from my, uh, my family, and every holiday I'd go home for Christmas and the New Year's and always telling myself, oh, I'm going to be good. Well, that never happened. Um, that slice of something or that piece of whatever, I'd have one, and it's like, that's ah, okay. And then the next day, well, I did it yesterday. I can do it today. And my weight would go up and down and up and down uh, constantly. But I always knew that a low-carb approach would work. Um, we got married uh, 2010. And that's when I, somewhere in there, I got into my heaviest at uh, 280 pounds. I needed size 50 pants, but I never bought them. I kept squeezing into my 48s. And um, that's when I started, again, I need to lose weight. A friend of mine had actually said, hey, why don't you try using uh, HCG, which I did a couple of times. And I always found it interesting that, well, when you're done with this, you should just eat low carb anyway. So why mess with something like that when you can just eat a low carb diet. And that's, uh, again, what I used that to go uh, between the two down to 190 pounds. And again, I didn't have a good why I was just let me eat, uh, let me lose weight rather. And I put the weight back on, I uh, went from 190 to 240. And I bounced around from there. And finally, uh, actually, it was about 2016, my wife lovingly said one day, you know, you're not eating like you're supposed to. And it wasn't what I needed to hear at the time. And I very politely said, don't, don't tell me again. I understand what I need to do, but I have to come to it, uh, which didn't go over well. But um, she uh, lovingly backed off, didn't say anything. In November of 2017, she jokingly said, who can lose 10 pounds the fastest? And whatever it was at that point, it finally hit that, okay, well, 
I don't need to lose weight. I need to get healthy. Um, I have a wife. I have two kids. I'm not setting the example for my two kids. I'm, I'm feeding them what they're supposed to eat. Um, they're eating a low-carb diet. Uh, they're not eating the junk and the sugars and the candies and uh, some of the other stuff. And yet, every now and then, I've got my, uh, my pizza or the, just every, every so often I have something I shouldn't. And it's like, I, I'm not setting the example. And I need to be here for them in the long term. And if I keep doing this, I'm not going to be. And that's when I finally just, it clicked. Um, instead of, I need to lose weight, it really became, I need to be healthy. And I had the why of my family, along with my longevity. I tell people that I want to be uh, Mrs. Freeze, who lived to be 100, give or take. Yeah, she was a sweet old lady in our church. And in her 90s, she always joked that she's going to the nursing home to help out the old folks. And those old folks were probably 20 to 30 years younger than her. Um, I'd also... And if I ever get here, I'll be amazed. But I also tell people I want to be Marxist and I want to be 70 and embarrassing 20-year-olds. Um, I'm not there yet. I'm not a world-class athlete, but I want to work to that point and thrive in my old age, not just survive. I want to be there for my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and play with them all the time. Uh, so that's a little bit about my background. I'll let my wife uh, go from there. Um, so I grew up eating the regular American diet and never really struggled with weight a whole lot, but, um, after I got married, we got married in 2010. Um, he wanted to eat low carb on and off, but, um, learning to cook low carb was a, was a challenge for me at first. And, uh, we figured it out eventually. Um, and it's really not that hard. <laughs> I was trying to make it more complicated than it. Than yeah, she it she grew be. up with your standard casseroles, rice, um, chicken, uh, everything is just you throw in a pot and you go but, hamburger helper and so forth. So for me, um, I think eating healthier helps my hormone levels and helps my, my mental state a whole lot more than um, just losing weight. But uh, we were also feeding our kids. They're four, almost five and six now. Uh, we were, we've always fed them a, a basically a grain free diet. Um, and so I realized that I have to set an example for them if we're going to keep doing this. Um, and so we eat a lot of meat now and um, I, I basically meat for dinner and well, the I kids eat. I don't think there's of, any vegetables in the house. <laughs> there, there might be, I don't know. <laughs> um, they like the, the high fat yogurt and um, uh they love, they love eating, eating, eating meat all the time. Um, they, the boys don't know any different. Uh, it's funny if we go anywhere, they're like, isn't there a lot of sugar in that? Yes. Okay. I don't want that. Um, so they're, they're learning. I uh, just, again, by our example and teaching and training that look, if you want to feel good, this is what you need to do. I'm sure as they get older, um, they'll find out, Hey, I'm going to try this or they'll have something. And that's where when they start feeling bad, it's like, well, what happened? We can go through that process and allow them to think about mm -hmm. it and go, huh, well, I did have that cupcake at a birthday or whatever it might be uh, and go from there. And I teach them at home, um, almost five and six years old in first grade. Um, I have a background in education. I saw the other lady that you were talking to um, on a recent podcast. She had a background in uh, early childhood but mine's an elementary education. Susie, I think her name was. Uh, so I was like, oh, we have kind of have similar backgrounds, but um, just enjoy teaching my kids at home and watching them make food choices that are healthy. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, Susie Zaratka that you're thinking of that yeah. was uh, the early childhood. And I think it's really interesting when you hear just, uh, this is almost just an aside, but it parallels with nutrition. I think uh, when you have folks who have an experience with education is their mindset of like how they approach uh, like a child or, you know, an adolescent in terms of like making a choice. Because I think for a lot of folks, it's kind of like, they want it to be kind of black and white and just say, do this, it's the right thing. Don't do that. It's the wrong thing. But when you're working with kids, a lot of times, if you tell them do this, they're going to want to do the opposite. (laughs) So it's like, you kind of have to, you have to, you have to position it in a way where they're making a choice, but position in a way that they have the information to make the right choice. So like when you're talking about like, you know, the cupcake, it's like, if you have a kid and they go to the party and they have a cupcake, probably not the end of the world, but educating them on like what that kind of does, especially if that becomes a chronic habit or that turns into, you know, two cupcakes a day, every day, plus a soda, plus this, and ends up becoming a, like a, just a junk food diet. That's where we run into problems, I think. Yeah, I, that's where I don't want my kids to deal with what I dealt with. Um, I always thought as a kid, it was normal to wake up at three in the morning because my intestines were screaming at me and then I'd have to visit the bathroom until it, it just took care of itself. And I'm, now I understand that's not normal. That was what I was eating. It was the grains and the sugars and everything else. Um, and we found also it helps to, to get the kids involved with everything. So we go shopping and what would you like to have? And um, they now make their own breakfasts. They ask to make their own lunch. Um, they're not quite started cooking dinner yet, but um, they do, hey, can we have this this week? And we'll usually, yeah, sure. We'll work things in that they would like to do get them involved in the process so they have ownership of it. It's not just mom and dad, pun intended, shoving it down their throat. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I brought out leftovers for lunch today and one of them, they didn't like it. They didn't like the, the meat. It was just maybe hard to chew or something. I don't know. Uh, so I gave them the choice of skipping lunch or eating when I gave them. And so one of them said, okay, I'll skip lunch. The other one decided to eat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think a couple things that you that, that you guys had said. I mean, one, you talked about the fact that you know you, um, you know, eating, you know, going on a diet and eating food that just isn't palatable, and I just don't think it works. I mean, you know, I mean, if if you tell people, you know, munch on carrot sticks and you know eat your kale quinoa salad, <laughs> this is hard. It's a hard sell. I mean, particularly if if you're trying to get people off cake and cookies and sugar, and I mean, that's that 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 seems like misery. I mean, you know, at least with what I do, I tell people eat bacon and eggs and steak. They're like, well, I can, that's pretty palatable for most people. Um, the other thing you made, which I think is a really important point is that, you know, you know, there's a lot of ways to lose weight and, you know, you can lose weight the fastest mm-hmm. possible. You know, we can get, you know, you have a gastric bypass. I mean, that's a good way to lose weight. You can, you can adopt a heroin addict, you know, a habit and that that's another way to lose weight. And so there are some unhealthy, losing weight just doesn't necessarily always equate to health. Now, many people do find that losing weight does provide benefits, but there, I think the, 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 the thought that I'm going to get healthy rather than I'm going to get to X body weight is, is a, is a more sort of reasonable way to go about this. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Now, as far as kids, I've got four kids and I mean, my, my strategy is I want them to get nutrition. And so we load up on meat and eggs and, you know, sometimes it'll be dairy and, uh, and that does well. And if they're still hungry beyond that, then they can have some other food. 
Um, if they want fruit, if they want vegetables, they almost mm-hmm. never ask for vegetables. So I, <laughs> so I don't yeah. have to worry about it. If they want a piece of fruit, good, go have some fruit. You know, sometimes they'll eat a little bit of, you know, a little piece of chocolate or something like that. But I mean, it's pretty rare. I mean, they, they, you know, my concern with the kids is to nourish these guys. And I, and in my view, you know, I'm obviously biased towards animal products. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly load up on that. And I think that works well for many people, you know, children included, and most people would do well with that strategy. And then there's obviously a community of people that, you know, just do better on all meat, which is, you know, kind of what I've kind of, kind of immersed myself in. But anyway, I appreciate that perspective. Uh, so you've got, you've come through this background where you've kind of yo-yoed up and down and mm-hmm. all the stuff that everybody's done. And now wh- where are you at currently? I mean, where are you at currently with, with diet and, and, and what's, what do you plan on doing for the near future? Um, now I'm, as we've already mentioned, we're about as 90% carnivore for, as a family. Um, I myself am trying to stick strictly with animal-based products. Uh, for the beginning of the year, I removed uh, dairy just to see how, how I would have, uh, affects me because I could sit there and eat a block of cheese um, and not even bat an eye. So I've intentionally gotten away from that. And um, I've just been eating uh, meat for the most part. Um, I've started adding in um, exercise using um, fitness bands this, uh, at the beginning of the year because, again, it's I want to be able to, in my longer years, be healthy and fit, and I have to do that now. I can't wait till I'm you know, 60 or 70 to start doing that. Um, I need to start now so that when I get older, I have that muscle mass to, to, to be active and to be doing things. Uh, so for myself, that's what I've started off at uh, this year uh, long-term. Um, as you like to say, unless something else comes along that says I need to change something, I don't plan on changing anything. Um, I have nothing against um, having some vegetables here and there. I just find for myself, I don't crave them. I don't desire them. Um, you, you put a steak up there or next to something else that's a veggie of, even if it's a low carb, I'll eat the steak. And then I'll think about the vegetables if I want to taste or something. But uh, that's where I'm at. Um, the kids, like you said, um, their dessert is fruit vast majority of the time they they don't ask for vegetables i don't think we've had a meal in the last month or two where they said man i wish i had some broccoli uh but they'll get done and say can i have a a banana or an apple or so they know they'll have fruit on occasion uh because that's that's their treat that is their dessert they'll have it if it's available but if it's not they haven't asked for it that's true (laughs) that's for when we go to the grocery store because they see the bananas the banana rack every time we're in the grocery (laughs) store hey bananas no that's okay not right now um how about yourself? Um, I'm, I think I'm on a uh, kind of a journey of listening to what my body needs and trying to eat things that are actually helpful. Um, I experimented a little bit with eating just meat and, and then added in eggs. I felt great. Uh, it was harder for me to continue on that um, just because of all the uh, well, Christmas came <laughs> and I was in charge of making dessert for everybody. So, um, I started eating more desserts at that point, but like the, the low carb, sugar free. Um, so I've gotten into that habit of eating more of the sweets, but I still eat basically meat. Um, and I've tried to limit my dairy cause I think that my body doesn't do as well with tons of dairy. I've got, I've had some chronic uh, pain or inflammation or um, I don't some kind of issues with my back um, when I sleep it gets tight and uh, it hurts a little bit in the morning so um, I found that changing 
my diet and eating more meats has helped that. And I'm um, just trying to, to listen to about like to if I'm full or if I'm actually hungry, uh, don't eat as much, you know, so. Yeah. Paying attention to the body. Even last night, um, she made some low carb cookies for the boys and I sat on the couch. They smelled great. I could smell them from the other room, but uh, the meat I had for dinner, I'm sitting going, you know, it's that, Oh, I'd like to have one, but I am full. There is absolutely no need for me to go out there and get anything. I mean, to the point that even just getting a glass of water didn't sound appetizing, but there was still that temptation, you know, the old ways of, yeah, but that sounds good. And I just sat there and said, no, I need to listen to myself. I need to listen to what my body's telling me and not go indulge in something that I have a no need for and B my body's telling me, Hey, there's, you don't have to ingest this. You're not going to feel any better. So why bother? And then knowing me, I would have had two or three. (laughs) That's actually an interesting point too. Cause I think a lot of times uh, that is a, a, I wouldn't, I don't want to say simple because it seems like it's something that like, it just doesn't cross people's mind. But when, mm-hmm. when they do actually put into practice and make it a habit, it becomes more, more usable for folks in terms of just like having kind of like two or three questions you ask yourself before you go and, you know, decide to eat something just for the sake of eating it. And if you rationalize it in your mind, or if you break that down or you have those kind of three questions that you can ask yourself, uh, as to why you're going to have that, it can be a little more clear whether you're doing that out of just indulgence or need or something in mm-hmm. between. Uh, and I just think it's something that we've probably not practiced in, in the food environment we have, yeah. have here in America. Yeah, that was about six months into um, 2018 after I really made it a point. And on a, on a side note, we actually, I actually made um, low-carb keto my, my lifestyle starting on Thanksgiving Day of 2017. So those people out there that goes, you can't have a holiday. Yes, you can. I invite anybody to come to my house and find out what it's like to have a holiday without all the junk. Uh, but it was about six months after that. Um, I had continued as a habit at eight o'clock grabbing something. And I, there was one day it just hit me. I'm like, I went to go get something. I'm like, why am I doing this? I, I'm not hungry. It's a, it's a habit. And I started, that's where it started listening and paying attention and going, okay, there's no need for this anymore. Uh, now there's still days I I'll give in, unfortunately, that's just the way it goes, but it's those little steps. Like you said, getting those couple of questions where you can say, um, does this sound good? Does this sound good? Does this sound good? And if the answers are no, well then you don't need what you're going to go get or the, the habit of, I just opened the fridge and I'm looking for something out of boredom or something like that. Um, that was a real challenge after 40 years of doing that. Um, to, to finally stop and, and listen to your body, that, that, that's a challenge. And it's something I know a lot of people struggle with, but um, it can be overcome. The other day I was, I was not hungry, but I had a headache because sometimes I get headaches with my hormone levels. And uh, I figured out that my body needed more salt. So I just poured some in my hand and licked it because I, <laughs> I needed something. It wasn't food, but it, it, was, it was that salt that I think I really needed. Yeah, it can be interesting, I think, especially with, with electrolytes or s- probably sodium specifically, where uh, you maybe crave food because your body doesn't necessarily know, like, mm-hmm. pure. it's not necessarily associating, like, pure salt the way you consumed it, whereas if that's what it needs to kind of dampen maybe the hunger pangs that are there that aren't necessarily from scarcity of calories, but maybe just scarcity of salt, which 
you know, is the zero calorie food. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, how often I've heard it many times people say that it's like, Hey, you may be craving something after, you know, the old, the old saying, you know, I went to a Chinese buffet and indulged myself and an hour later I was hungry. Well, are you really hungry or did you just not, um, give your body the nutrients that it needed? Did you not properly feed? So your body's saying, Hey, I'm missing something here. Um, and again, I think that comes down to listening to your body and properly feeding it, uh, which is something that I know both of us have, uh, had to adjust to over the last couple, two years that we've, uh, been really concentrating on eating this way. And it's, it makes a big difference. You know, I think that is, uh, you know, it's just nice to see the, the folks that, uh, that can do this on an everyday basis. Um, do you guys get most resistance from, I mean, I don't know, like where you're, where are you guys at again? Are you guys up in the Northeast? Uh, we're in the Southeast. We're in uh, just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, are you, is this something you are, I mean, you know, not that it's everyone's business what you eat, but I mean, are you exposed to people that are like, you guys are weird or any of that stuff? Well, I'm, I'm exposed to that because I am weird, but that's a completely different story. <laughs> um, we, we're fortunate um, that all of our friends know exactly where we're coming from. Um, they know this is how we eat. This is how we live. Uh, and they make um, accommodations as best they can. So if we're, if there's a, something going on at church, we will always bring a low carb or a, a, a des, uh, not necessarily dessert or food with us so that we have something to eat. So this past Sunday, for example, it was a baked potato bar and they said, can you bring your uh, three meat chili? I'm like works for me. I'll eat that. And so we all had chili and ironically, most of the people actually had chili and they didn't put it on their potato like was the idea behind bringing it. Um, and so it, we're fortunate in that regard. We don't have people that are like, that's just ridiculous. Now they may not agree. They may not understand, but they see, especially those that have known me since high school. Hey, Um, You're a smaller person that you've been. You obviously are are healthy and doing well. They see our kids and uh, we joke online and so forth that it's it's like it's obvious there's nothing wrong with uh, the way we feed our kids. They have at least as much energy and are as crazy as all the other kids that they play with. I'm actually scared. I would would not want to see my kids on sugar. No, Um, I wouldn't. They're bonkers (laughs) enough without it. So that's just something that I hope to never figure out. so it's nice. Then we've had other, we've had some friends that just kind of you hear the comments of, wow, you know, if they can do it, maybe we can uh, with relation to eating a healthier and getting rid of some of the junk in their diet. Uh, maybe not necessarily switching to a low carb based approach, but uh, they see that, Hey, here's a family of four that can do this. They're doing it just fine. And um, it's having, you know, a, a, an impact with, with our local friends. Um, I've been able to get f- other friends and family on board uh, it took a while, but both my parents are have been low carb for over a year now. Dad's down eighty or ninety pounds. Um, scary thing is he's going to catch up to me soon, or catch. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's catch down to me, not up. Um, but you know they're now in their mid sixties, and they're like, "This is great. We can actually go and do things and walk, and not not have to sit there and and go. Hey, does one of us need a wheelchair or an electric scooter to get around?" Um, and that's, you know, the weight loss for them is just a side benefit. They realize, hey, I feel so much better. Why would I not want to keep eating this way? And now they can do things with their grandkids and so forth. Uh, so it's really helped energize them. So uh, we've been fortunate that we just have, I have friends that if they're having us over, hey, uh, we're going to have this, this, and this. Does that work? 
sure. Can you bring something with you? Hey, we'll bring it. We'll bring whatever you would like us to bring. Uh, so uh, it's worked out really well in our regard, in our case. All right, folks, this episode of Human Performance Outliers podcast is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a meat delivery company that brings you high quality beef, chicken, pork, salmon, and scallops. What does this mean? All products are natural and humanely raised or sustainably wild caught, as is the case with their salmon and scallops. If you are concerned with how the animals you eat were raised, rest assured, ButcherBox partners with farmers who are inspired by Dr. Temple Grandin, a member of the Humane Farm Animal Care Program's scientific committee. Their beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. The chicken is organic and the pork is heritage breed with no added sugar. So head over to ButcherBox.com and place an order today. And don't forget to enter promo code HPO for a discount. Thank you for supporting one of our long-standing sponsors. Now, back to the show. Yeah, the point about uh, function, you know, as we get older, is also extremely important. You know, I, I, I see, and I, and I used to see it all the time, is, I mean, these people, they would work, you know, they work their career till they're 65, and the plan at 65, I'm going to go visit the world and see stuff. And, I mean, they can't even walk down the street. I mean, mm-hmm. how are you going to go hike the steps and see Mayan ruins or go walk around the Colosseum in Rome when you can't even walk and you're in pain all the time. So this is, you know, this is a big sort of scam that people think they're, they're going to enjoy their golden years when, you know, most of their golden years are spent going from doctor to specialist to specialist. And uh, that becomes their, their social life. I mean, I, I would just, it was painful for me to see these people and, you know, you try to do the best you can, but I mean, you know, just by doing what you're doing right now, you know, hopefully laying down this function, this foundation of health that will last you, you know, for the next, you know, four or five decades is, mm-hmm. is incredibly important. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's easy when we're, you know, I mean, you know, kids in their twenties, eh, <laughs> they don't care. You know, once you start getting, you know, 30, 40 and you start seeing health and you've got children and, you know, you have a different perspective and sometimes it takes that. And so I like, like I said, most of the people that listen to me are older, you know, because they've been through it. They've experienced it. When I was 20, I could care less. I could eat whatever I want. I could go out drinking. I'd bounce back. Um, you know, I just, I remember I would train hard all week and then Friday was party time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is college. And then you'd kind of feel like crap for a day or so. And then the next week you're fine. You're ready to go again. Now that doesn't happen. You know, you do that now at 50 and it's like, man, I just, I got a week to recover from this stuff. And so, um, yeah, important to, to do that, to do that stuff and, and be very mindful about it because you are, you only get one round, you only get one go around, you only get one body. And, you know, it's too many of us abuse it and it's our, our entire, you know, the environment mm-hmm. is set up just to not do good things for our health and our bodies. So it's good that you guys are starting to do it. So tell me a little bit about the thing behind you. You got the selective savory seasoning, yep. something, something. What is the story on that? And that was actually December of 17. Um, well, I'll back up a little bit. Before I really made it a, a focus of being low carb and keto, um, I got a smoker because, hey, smoked meat, you can't get much, much more low carb than that. And mm-hmm. 
I always went to the store, bought barbecue rubs, and I always saw, I just read the nutrition label. It says zero carbs and zero sugar, despite the fact the first ingredient is sugar. And at that time, I was naive and thought, okay, it says zero and zero, I must be fine. And then as I started uh, listening to podcasts and doing more research, I come to find out, oh, well, the serving size is so small, usually a quarter teaspoon, uh, that the government says if it's, and I believe it's 0.6 or less, they can round down to zero, um, no matter how much sugar is in there. And so they make the serving size so tiny that it looks like, oh, you're not eating any sugar. Well, when's the last time you saw somebody make a rack of ribs or a pulled pork or something and use a quarter teaspoon? They're going to slather that in, in the rub, which is loaded with sugar. And so November or December of 17, I was at the store. I wanted to make some ribs or a, a pulled pork. And the store I was in had to have had 40 to 50 different barbecue rubs on the shelf. And every last one of them, sugar was the first or second ingredient. And I stood back. I just looked at the rack and said, that's it. I, I, I'm done with this. I can't do this. I'm not the only one that wants to not have sugar in their life. I'm going to go start my own company to help out everybody else. And that's where the idea of Select Savory Seasonings came from. Uh, the next about six months uh, was a little bit of research, finding somebody to work with that can do helping with the bottling and everything else. And it was um, May of 18 when the company launched. So we're almost two years in. Uh, the company's been growing uh, steadily over the last two years. Uh, last year was our best year uh, to date. Um, it's been exciting seeing it grow. And the, I, the other idea behind it was, because I hear often, I'm sure you guys too, well, I can't eat just meat, that's boring. Well, unless you've done it, I mean, yes, I, I could eat salt and pepper on my steak all day and it tastes good and I can handle that. But with our select savory seasonings, there's no sugar, there's no additives or fillers. It's nothing but um, spices, seasonings, uh, one or two that may have some nuts or seeds in there also. So you're getting good, healthy products. Um, our idea was to help you make good, tasty food that's good for you so that you can not only lose weight, but you can get healthy and you can truly feel amazing. Uh, for example, they were out of town uh, last summer and I cooked hamburgers. I put uh, habanero garlic pepper on one. I put uh, probably ranch on the other. And it was like having two completely different meals at the same time. And all I did was use different seasonings. Uh, so you can add a ton of variety to even um, a carnivore diet. Um, actually, one of my customers, she's carnivore, has autoimmune issues. And uh, she loves our stuff because it has no effect on her autoimmune. Uh, it's, it's done tremendous things for her and add, again, that flavor and variety to her diet. Um, so that's where it, it, uh, it came from, was I saw a need for myself and figured, you know, let me go help everybody else out too. And uh, it's been a fun ride. We've been enjoying it so far. It's interesting, you know, the, the labeling stuff is, is, is pretty sneaky. I think they have like the same, same idea or marketing aspect with some of the like butter or oil sprays where you get those mm -hmm. like zero calorie aerosol cans or like pump spray cans. And it says zero calories per serving. And then you actually look into it. And it turns out there's like 400 servings in that thing. And at half a calorie each or I can't remember what it, it's like what you were saying, like they can round yeah. down from 0.6 and you end up with like a, you know, a bottle of, of oil that has 800 calories in it. And you're putting it on everything because you think it's like guilt-free quote unquote. Uh, and the, the other thing that you said was interesting was just, uh, the, the flavoring difference that you can do with that stuff. Because I think when the thing I always find interesting is I don't really have a whole lot of this too much, but when I first started kind of following like a high fat, low carb diet, 
know, people were curious, like, well, what do you, how do you go out and eat with friends? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, it's really not that hard to go to a restaurant and, you know, get what you need, or even especially not hard to go to a grocery store if you know what you're looking for. And it only gets easier when companies like yours and like uh, Mark Sisson's Primal Kitchen mm-hmm. stuff, you, you, you start to see enough people being interested in that sort of like eating pattern and you just get more options. And, you know, there's two sides to that coin in the sense that, you know, too many options can be a problem if you're trying to like cut back and lose weight or something like that. But it can also be a huge benefit if you're looking to have some of that variety or not necessarily make that if, if, if you're the type of person who doesn't want to make a huge sacrifice in terms of having variants and options, you know, that's the advantage of having like food surplus essentially, or all these op- options. If you can kind of stay within the framework of what you're trying to do, then, then that stuff is out there. Yeah. A lot, I mean, a lot of people need something to get them. So if you've been, I know in my case, if I had gone straight from standard American diet to I have to eat nothing but meat. I don't think I would have ever done it. That's such a dramatic change. It's like, yeah, but I, I want my barbecue sauce or this, that, and the other. And having those options and products helps transition people slowly. I mean, we don't eat the the snacks. The, I mean, at KetoCon, there were sugar-filled booths everywhere. And I did try some of them. They were nice. But at the end, I was just like, I don't need any of this, in all honesty, because it it's not for me. It's for those people that are starting getting going uh, to help them transition and wean themselves off of it. Um, I know we're, we're also in the process of starting um, sugar-free beef jerky because I know that's insanely difficult to find. Uh, So we're working with a company to get that going early this year. And ironically, you mentioned um, uh, primal foods. We're hoping to get into sauces and so forth later in the year also uh, because those are, as much as that stuff's out there, I'm still blown away at the people that I'll get emails and messages going, Hey, I need a barbecue sauce or a dressing. Do you know where it's at? And they've never heard. I'm like, well here, and I'll list three or four different manufacturers. And they're like, I never heard of any of those. Oh, I got to go find them. Uh, So that's, those are the two other areas we're getting into this year. uh, just to provide those sugar-free options to help that people either make their transition or um, those snacks and stuff that we want to stick to, uh, meat snacks specifically, so beef jerkies, beef chips, uh, beef sticks, kind of like a Slim Jim, but a whole lot healthier. Um, still working on how we're going to do all of that, whether will it all be grass-fed or not, or an option of both. Uh, depending on the people you talk to, you either have to have grass-fed or you don't. So that comes down to your customers. But we're, we're, we're branching out into other areas to try to help people out along the way so that, again, so they can learn that uh, they can eat good, healthy food that's good for them and uh, along the way, really get healthy and, and feel what all of us feel is the no aches and pains other than I just got done working out hard and my body's recovering. Yeah, another interesting thing like with uh, that, I, I haven't seen it yet. I'm sh- Maybe it's out there uh, that uh, I'm interested in, and especially you know, just following kind of what some of the carnivore or carnivore adjacent type communities are like talking about like, do you need to do just a muscle meat focus or is it a nose to tail thing in terms of making it sustainable long-term? And uh, I'm curious, like if, if anything or anyone would ever develop like a, like a slim gym type thing, that's kind of a a ground up mixture of muscle meat and and organ meat. So you can kind of like have it in, in a, in a kind of a clean package and have it maybe a little more palatable than just taking liver straight off the frying pan. 
that's actually an interesting idea that I've not seen yet. Um, once I get into those, I'll talk to the guy that I'm working with. Uh, he may be able to work, reach out to his farms and stuff and ask them if that's something they could add to it. The only thing I've seen that's kind of like that, somebody recently launched a uh, liver chip of sorts. Hmm. Uh, I, I forgot who it was. I've seen it on um, on Twitter and so forth recently. Um, but that's the closest I've seen that within the last couple of weeks, it's something that's brand new, but it's, I guess it's more of a, a fried or, you know, crispy, but it's, it's a hunk of liver. You chew it, eat it and off you go, but it's more of a snack type thing. Not actually, you know, liver pulling it out of the freezer. Like a lot of people doing popping a piece every morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, someone told me and I haven't looked into it yet, but that if like most ground beefs, if you just go to the grocery store and get ground beef actually has like ground up uh, organ meats in there, but mm -hmm. they, it just says a hundred percent beef on there. Cause I mean, the organs are, it's beef. Part of the, yeah, it's still beef. And yeah, I think that was like when I first read it or when I first came across it, it was almost like it, the connotation was like this negative thing. Like, Oh, you're getting all these organ meats in there. And I'm just thinking, well, I hope they're right about that because I like the taste of ground beef. And if it's got nose to tail additives to it, then I mean, that's a, that's a bonus, I guess. Uh, but I haven't looked in to see how common that is, or if that's just like some brand or some certain brand. But I, I did talk to someone once who said when they go to the butcher, they'll they specifically ask the butcher to to ground up to grind up the meat for them, and then they have them grind up liver and mm -hmm. uh, some of the other organ meats in there with it, so that they kind of have it in in a mixture, and it's not just you know taking it straight. Yeah. yeah let me let me. I'll, I'll throw my two cents in there because I, I know for about this stuff. So. Yeah. <laughs> this is your ballpark. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there you know there are you know certainly sausages will have some of the stuff in there, and there's liverwurst and there's Braunschweiger and these things that, that you can get organ ground up organs and uh, you know arguably taste better that way. A lot of people just don't like the the, the taste of straight up organ meats. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, there's a guy who's put out some liver chips. Um, but as far as the ground beef thing, you know, the main thing that they were seeing was basically heart and tongue, which are both smooth muscles or not. Some people don't consider them technically organ meats. And that actually was only occurring in a, in a, in a small number of processes. So it's not that common. So generally ground beef is beef. And so you're not, you're not going to get your organ requirements, whatever they may be. I, I certainly push back against the people that say you must eat organ meats to be successful in a carnivore diet, namely because, most people that have done this diet have done so successfully without that. And so I think there's a lot of uh, speculation and perhaps overcomplicating something that's generally pretty simple. But I mean, for some people, it certainly works. And I mean, a lot of people like them and I think there's no problem doing that and they are nutritious. And so, I mean, you know, that's a product that a lot of people would probably uh, would, would, would sort of utilize, you know, and again, there are, what I would really like to see, quite honestly, Corey, and I don't know if you have any familiarity with this, but there's something called Biltong, which is a South mm -hmm. African product, which is, in my view, from a from a sort of a portable dried meat option. I mean, that's superior to anything I've ever had. And I think uh, uh, that because, you know, and I think one of the things that they really preference is fat. And, and I mean, I think, you know, particularly when we're looking at people that are eat, only eating meat and they're not having any carbohydrates you've got to have this energy source and fat becomes the energy source for most of us and so and it just tastes wonderful and i think mm -hmm. probably the jerky industry here and i'm not sure why they they limit fat maybe because they they're, they're we're still under this guise that fat is unhealthy and we need to have these lean always these lean protein snacks um but if you look like a, like a slim gym which maybe is not the best 
example because it's loaded with dextrose and you know and you know, I don't know what all the crops is in those things, but they are fairly fatty, but they taste pretty good mm-hmm. because of the fat content. So I would encourage you if you do a meat product, you know, get some fat in there. I know there's somebody, uh, Sylvia Tabor, who's done this thing called Carnivore Snacks, and she's given me, she sent me some of her dried ribeye and it's full of fat and man that is delicious i mean it's not it's not exactly built on but it's as close as i've seen in the u.s mm-hmm. and i've seen some companies that do built on in the u.s and, it, and they they skew towards the, the low fat version it just doesn't taste as good so i don't know maybe there's some usda thing about fat that you can't do it perhaps i don't know but uh the only thing i that i have seen is usually the fattier um something along those lines the shelf life is is greatly reduced uh, there is a uh, a beef jerky company out there that does make a, you can tell them when you order, do you want fatty or not? So they actually do offer it and it's, it's a little more tender. It tastes better. Um, but I do recall that it's the shell. Once you open it, you, you got to eat the package uh, within a few days. Yeah. I mean, I guess once you open it, but I mean, my understanding, you know, like I said, and it depends, you know, like pemmican, for instance, you know, what's the you know, native Americans made. I mean, that stuff apparently was good for a decade. I mean, you could, you could make this stuff and it would, it would be edible for a decade or more. So, I mean, there's gotta be a way to sort of do that. And I know the pemmican from say like U S wellness meats, it's gotta be refrigerated. And, you know, I, I, I don't know the, hmm. the details behind that, but there should be a, a shelf stable pemmican that you can make that uh, would taste good. So those are, those are my, just again, thoughts on that. Um, and, I'm anyway, always looking for ideas, so. That might help Zach on his runs, too. Yeah. When he, when he yeah. does his uh, 24-hour yeah. run one of these days, or when he's running across the U.S., have some have some pemmican or biltong to munch on, Zach, you know, yeah. in addition to, you know, what other, other glucose sources you might do. Well, I'll say this. I probably won't need to save half a package of anything, and when I'm doing that, I'll be eating everything in, <laughs> in, its, in, in its entirety. But, yeah, what was it that Dr. Bill Schindler was saying about the because he he had pemmican from an actual tribe and uh he said it was like a 10-year shelf life or something like this what are what are they doing differently that makes it last that long do did he say anything about that i don't know but i mean you can look up traditional pemmican but it 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 reportedly was something you know it was something that the 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 military was utilizing i think as a a food you know the traveling food and then we got ansel keys made the k ration and the mres and so on and so forth later when we when we decided that we knew more about nutrition than our the people have been doing nutrition for you know <laughs> for thousands ages. of years and we, we we got into the nutrition business and arguably ruined everybody's health but i don't know i don't know how to make it i i guess there's i know some people will put a few little berries in there as well that's another version but uh um it's it's online. You can look it up. And mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, you know, I, 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 I don't anything. I doubt anybody makes it with the intention to eat it 10 years later. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing know, they, lasts 10 years. That's edible in my house. So right, yeah. exactly. I mean, if anything, if you got something in your house that's a couple of years old, odds are, I don't care what it is. You're throwing it out. Yeah. Most likely. <laughs> well, unless you're my youngest, he'll find it and eat it anyway. Oh, look what I found <laughs> under the couch. Can't, yeah. Can't be worse than couch pizza. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But I'm gonna have to look into that. I'm gonna try to make some. I've got I've got the home fermentation stuff going. Why not get the the pemmican started too if it's manageable enough? Yeah, yeah man, gotta, you guys you, you get a brand, Zach. You're, you're super 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 uh, there you go. super super Zach. Get a brand of uh, <laughs> meat fuel, you know stuff. It'll have you. It'll make you run 100 miles real fast. <laughs> you can do like the you can do like the uh, 
<laughs> you know, like you see all the bodybuilding supplements. Here you go. This is the only reason I can run. Yeah, yeah I attribute magic, everything to that. My yeah. magic supplement. I didn't know the training had anything to do with it. It's just me I wouldn't have this. made it past Nebraska had it been not for this pemmican. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, and I've got a couple of places I can talk to to see, um, cause even like the beef jerky, I talked to her, them and they're like, I'm like, what about beef sticks? She goes, I don't, I don't, here's who you need to talk to. So okay. I got, a, I got several resources. I can at least, uh, once I have the resources to pay for it, uh, the joys of this kind of stuff is getting going. Uh, but, um, those are the other things that I've seen. And I'm like, I'll start with what people know, which is the jerkies and so forth and branch out into there. Um, so when it is launched, uh, it'll be select savory snacks. Uh, they're coming out. And then, um, of course, our select savory sauces, but trying to stick with the three S's and the tongue tires as we go. Yeah, Got to be fun when people start doing advertising. <laughs> are you going to do, I mean, this is probably a, a silly question, but are your, uh, your beef jerky type stuff going to be seasoned with, with your savory seasonings then? or Yes and no. Um, like the first one will just be uh, an original flavor because that's what everybody knows. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, uh, the one gentleman I talked to said, you want an original, you want a spicy, and then you can start getting into different flavors. So like our spicy, I'm going to probably make, use our habanero garlic pepper, uh, which uh, is a lot of people thoroughly enjoy. Um, and then the third one's probably our ranch-tastic. That's just our best-selling seasoning, so I'll have a ranch-tastic flavor. Um, but yeah, the, the cross branding with that is also part of the idea so that uh, somebody tries a beef jerky and loves it. It's like, oh, if you love that, well, you can buy what's in there and put it in your food mm -hmm. and go back and forth. So that's the plan in the long run. What are the different flavors you guys have? A lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> is it too long to list? <laughs> For um, actual seasonings, I mean, our best sellers are uh, Ranch Tastic, our savory taco seasoning, um, which friends of ours asked if we had a taco. And, because they used to make their own. So I said, here, before I launched it and saw them at church a week later, she goes, is there a way you can make this an injectable so I can shoot it into my body? It's so good. <laughs> it's like, no, I don't think so. Um, our Memphis style barbecue rub, which is what started it all because I wanted a barbecue rub. Uh, our savory meat seasoning. Um, that one's a friend of mine. She literally threw country pork ribs in the crock pot, put that on top, cooked it all day. Her kids said it's the best meal she ever made. Uh, so I remind her that I helped her make her best meal ever. Um, and our select chop house seasoning, that's probably my favorite steak seasoning. It's uh, heavy on the sea salt, uh, but with the herbs and spices, it's got a sweet flavor to it. Um, I've had two customers say that uh, it's so good, their spouse who, quote unquote, always uses steak sauce, never touched the steak sauce when they cooked it in that. I put the chop house on egg this morning. Oh, that would be good too. Yeah. Um, we, and then we got some of the regulars, like an Austin Steaker of a Montreal steak seasoning. Uh, we have a pizza seasoning, uh, which I tell people you can use that instead of an Italian seasoning for Italian dishes. Um, also, our who needs the French onion soup mix, because finding a soup mix that's actually healthy is ridiculous. Uh, so we came out with that last summer. Actually, at KetoCon is when we launched that. Um, so that's that. those are some of our... Uh, Better sellers, we have uh, seasoned salts, like a jalapeno salt, a chipotle salt, which my kids would snort um, if they could. They love that stuff on, on their food. It's not spicy, but it's very flavorful. Um, habanero hot salt, several different flavors of, of pepper, roasted garlic pepper, habanero garlic pepper. Pumpkin pie spice. Yeah, I've got a little bit of pumpkin <laughs> pie spice left. That was supposed to be for the holidays only. Um, so I got a few jars of that left and 
Um, I mean, we've got over 50 plus products and so we keep bringing more out. Some of them are customer customers have said, Hey, can you do this? Uh, like our satay seasoning, which is, I believe an Indian seasoning. Um, they buy it from somebody else. And that company, I guess, got insanely political with their emails telling customers, you should vote for this person and not this person in the last election. And they said, I'm never buying from them again. Can you do this? I'm like, sure. I have no reason. Let me see how it does. And it's actually done pretty well. Um, but yeah, I think of actual seasonings, I've got at least uh, 30 to 40 different blends and then 10 or 15 different uh, individual seasonings for people that like to mix it up themselves. That sounds like a pretty good variety for sure. Um, what, uh, you know, what do you guys got to do? I mean, where, what's your strategy for, I mean, are you looking at a uh, national market or regional market? Are you international? Are you guys? Uh, um, uh, we we uh, basically ship out of our house. Uh, my, the office we're sitting in right now. So it's uh, direct to consumer through the website, um, getting to the conferences uh, as best we can to get uh, in front of people. So, uh, last year we did five or six conferences and uh, we're working on what we're going to do this year um, <clears throat> to just get the name out there, get people to, to know it, that we're here, uh, which has worked well so far. Uh, long term, I'd love to pull Mark Sisson and sell the company for pushing $200 million in five years like he did. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but that'd be kind of nice. Uh, but it's just um, using social media to let people know that uh, that we're here, getting on podcasts and discussing you know, our, our health history and past and how these, I mean, our products have helped us and have helped other people. Um, getting into the retail market would be interesting, but I know that that can be very difficult. Uh, so I would rather just do a direct consumer approach through our website, um, selectseasonings.com and uh, just continue to reach people as best we can uh, through personal interaction at the conferences and on the internet uh, through social media, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and all the other interesting ways i I've, I've yet to really figure out how to use TikTok like some of the other people have um that just is a lot of work that i'm not not there for not there yet but um just doing everything we can to let people know hey there there is a healthy way to eat your food you don't have to have sugar and garbage in your diet and let us help you zach have you figured out TikTok? are you on TikTok, zach are you doing any of your little things no i haven't really branched out outside of instagram twitter and Facebook, I still have Facebook, but I hardly ever go on it. So yeah. it's like thinking of adding another one just seems, yeah, seems like I haven't mastered what's the basics yet. So yeah, I'm still I'm still trying to keep up with the social media I already have. And I don't know that I'll branch out. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll do like uh, I don't know some of these guys that have people manage it for them, mm -hmm. which is kind of a, a full time job. It can be anyway. Well, it we. You know, appreciate you guys coming on. It's good to hear your story. It's good to, you know, get people aware of what you're doing. I think we appreciate more people that are in this space to make it easier for folks. Um, I know Zach and I, we've got another one. I think we've got another one coming up here very shortly, Zach. I think we're scheduled it, uh, for the next one. So. Mm -hmm. so tell us how, Corey and Rebecca, thanks you. Tell us how to find you guys online. What's your handle? Where, where, where are the best ways to order your, you know, your product if they want to? Sure. Um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, select savory seasonings, uh, is what you're going to search for. You can also look for creative keto cook. Um, I got recipes on there to help people just quick, simple things that they can do. Um, I, I, the, the complicated 
you know, 50 ingredients you've never heard of recipes drive me nuts and I know how to do it. So I can imagine how frustrating that is for others. So I try to use my creative keto cook website to help people with that. Uh, the website for the seasonings right now is selectseasonings.com. Uh, anybody that uh, is listening to the podcast, use code HPO15. That'll give them 15% off uh, their first order with the code. Um, eventually, there will be select savory snacks. I don't know what that's going to be yet. So just stay tuned to our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And when that launches, you'll be able to see it from there. But it'll be something similar to select savory. Uh, I'm still working on that, but uh, that'll be coming out sometime. I'm hoping uh, March, April timeframe at the worst. Uh, but that's... That's where they can find us. They have questions. They're not sure what to do. Shoot me an email. I had a customer do that yesterday that, hey, I know this isn't your expertise, but I'm looking for, and uh, the nice thing is I know a lot of people like you guys that I could even shoot a message and say, hey, I know you're into this aspect of it. What do you think to get answers for people that others may not know who to talk to? Very good, Zach. Any last minute stuff? Because I know we got to, like I said, we got to jump on this other one. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, guys. It's uh, always cool to hear the success stories and what everyone's up to. And then you have a unique story with, uh, you know, a product that you're kind of introducing to kind of help ease the transition and maybe I should say, better say flavor, <laughs> flavor <Yeah>. the experience. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. We'll put the links to those stuff in the show notes so our listeners can head over and, and check out what you guys are up to. Oh, we appreciate it. Um, thank you. As you were saying, that's why uh, every time on my social media, I always end it with savor the flavor. Awesome. Because it makes a big difference. So thanks for having us. We appreciate it. All right. Good luck to you guys. Hopefully you guys do, do, do. Hopefully you get. Hey folks, Human Performance Outliers podcast is growing. And due to the growth, we are looking to take on some new sponsors. So if you feel like your company or organization would be a good fit for our audience, please do not hesitate to reach out to hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with hosts Dr. Sean Baker and Zach Bitter. If you enjoyed the show, please consider following us on social media and checking out our websites. Links to those can be found in the show notes. Also, if you have any questions or comments, please do not hesitate to shoot us an email at hpopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning into the show.